This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, we are very happy. Of course, we are very happy. Um, in the first half, we controlled the game the way we wanted to control, which was defensively solid, but at the same time, having the ball. And when we have the ball, we were very objective. And then, <laughs> of course, Sonny and, and Harry, the finishing and the goals are uh, amazing. Then in the second half, they create us problems. They are a very good team. Uh, I believe that people will say, oh, very good team, but uh, in a bad position on the table. I don't care. They are a very good team. Mikel is a very good coach. The team tactically has a lot of culture and options. And uh, we managed to, to keep a clean sheet in the second half, which was the job to do. Could we try a little bit more to have the ball a little bit more, to try to hurt them a little bit more? We could, but why? If we have the game under control, why were we going to expose the block? Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Jose Mourinho sounding more and more like the Jose Mourinho we know from days of yonder. Welcome to Monday evening with me, Ross. This is Off the Ball. Uh, joining me this evening, three gentlemen who I think prefer the higher block. Jose's lower block. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure. I think Cam's very defensive. Cam Roslon is here. Hello, Cam. Hey, Ross. <laughs> Craig Wilkie, for sure. He's a higher block guy. Craig Wilkie's here. Hello, Craig. Good evening, everyone. However you prefer your block. <laughs> <laughs> Arvin is just all gung-ho attacking. I know that for sure. Arvin Sidhu, hello. Hi, it's good to be back. Just like fans being back at the stadium. One of the I best know. sights of the weekend. I One know. of the best sights of the weekend. It was weird seeing like no flags at the back and then just like people moving and stuff. I kept looking at the fans. <laughs> As usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, we have a YouTube channel up and running. It is TFIF on video. Do check it out. Right, we have to start with the North London derby then. Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0. We heard Jose at the start. Um, Craig Wilkie, why do we now have to consider Spurs as title challengers? Well, they're top of the league. That would be one good reason, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, you look at it, right? A derby win, clean sheet, top of the league. Beat City, and Spurs. drew with Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, they, they faced tough opposition in that time, right? Exactly. It's not been necessarily an easy ride to get to the position that they're in right now. And as we've mentioned an, a number of times already this season, it's just going to be one of those leagues, isn't it? And it's fantastically exciting to watch for we fans and Arvin mentioned fans back in the stadium, which is a, a wonderful thing. But we're genuinely looking at maybe a four or five horse race I know Mourinho was a little bit coy the other week and he came out and said, oh, no, 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 we were just, we were just a little pony in this race. But <laughs> with, with every week that passes, um, that pony's growing up and starting to look like a, a real contender of a horse. And the thing that really strikes me, actually, is you look at that squad that Spurs have now and on paper, it looks as though it could go the distance and, and challenge this season. And they're starting to put those performances together on the pitch. And it also strikes me that Gareth Bale was an unused sub. Yep. In the, in the North London derby. And I still believe that he's going to come good at Spurs. He's going to have a spell where he really, you know, ignites and he's going to start scoring goals. He's going to start creating things. So if you have that sort of talent who could still come in and make an impact later on in the season, and well, I mean, Son and Kane, uh, is, is there a better partnership in the league? Is there a better partnership anyway, anywhere right now 
the way those two are playing, the way they link up, the, the sort of telepathy that they seem to have between them. And Kane has just impressed me so much this season. His all-round game, not just the goals that he's scoring, but the way he holds the ball up, the way he brings others into play. He did it again uh, for Son's goal, and then they, they linked up again when he scored. So, absolutely fantastic time to be a Spurs fan. Really yeah. is. And, yeah. and even, more, even more so when you look at Arsenal, which we'll come on to talk about in a minute. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but, but still sticking with Spurs, Cam, have you ever seen a more loving strike pair? Than Son Heung Min and Harry Kane. I mean, you, you look at Liverpool. They got Mane, Salah, Firmino. They're not half as loved up as as, as Sonny and 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 Harry are. Well, this uh, this weekend, I think all of the major goal scorers scored, and they scored in their customary style. But Son's goal, contender for goal of the season. Absolutely, it, absolutely. It was, I mean, it was like when you when Kane picked up the ball, you knew a pass was coming. When Son got the ball, you knew the shot was coming and it still gasped everyone. It's, that's the best way I could describe it because it was just you, your jaw dropped, didn't it? I mean, it was that good. Absolutely. But I think that uh, what Mourinho will like is the uh, tackling and the fouling by uh, Spurs from front to back. Uh, Son, very clever the way he managed to get a few uh, free kicks his way. And Harry Kane doing the the dark side of his arts uh, with he does this thing where he backs into a fellow when they're jumping. It's, it's quite dangerous. And uh, but but they they got a fighting spirit because as we all know, there's something in the water in that part of uh, North London because <laughs> uh, yes, the Spursiness. How yeah. are they going to lose that? Well, this is it. I mean, if anyone can coach Spursiness out of Spurs, it might well be Jose Mourinho. Football 365, uh, I think, hit the nail on the head. He said Jose's found a, a group of players who will meet his every demand, who are good enough but not successful enough to tell him to, to stick it. Which, in a nutshell, is it. All right, let's leave off Spurs for a while. Arvid, I'm going to come to you about Arsenal. Um, commendable what they tried to do, but you, you look at how they're trying to force Lacazette into that number 10 role. Yeah, and, and you think to yourself, Mesut Ozil is sitting at home watching Coronation Street. <laughs> I mean, surely, surely he, he could do a bit more. He can. Uh, there are problems all over with that Arsenal squad. Yes, they probably had more of the possession on the day. Uh, at, the, at the start of the first half, at least they did. But that's playing prime into what Jose Mourinho is doing. And Jose Mourinho, what he's doing with Spurs right now, it's very... Uh, top level Real Madrid time where he just used to keep not let the opposition hit, hit the ball and he hits you on the counter. But with Arsenal, I mean, besides the Lacazette bit, they've tried now putting Pierre Amak Aubameyang dead center. That's what the fans wanted. They didn't want him on the left. They said he's our most natural goal scorer. Let's put him dead center. That's not working. That's looking like a player right now that's completely devoid of any confidence. Uh, he, he had one headed chance, but that's it throughout the entire game. They've lost six matches in 11. If Brighton win later tonight, they go below Brighton. There, there, there's some serious, serious concerns about Arsenal. And okay. I think so that, let, let me summarize ex- with that second goal. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on. You let, finish that, finish that. The, the best summarize is the second goal because the second goal, you had four Spurs guys Absolutely. running against two Arsenal players. Granit Shaka looks completely lost. And then the best bit of it, I don't get this, is Thomas Partey, who pulled up and got injured. Why didn't he go to ground? 
why is he trudging off the pitch and you have Arteta pushing him back on? Yeah. If Thomas Partey went down to the ground and genuinely was hurt, the referee would have called and stopped it potentially. So they've got issues everywhere, Ross, and it's really worrying times for Arsenal at this moment in time. It is. Okay, so I know he won the FA Cup in his first season, and so he's got credit in the bank. But, I mean, anyone watching Arsenal, as, as Arvin pointed out, six defeats already. Craig, how, how much longer do you think? Do you think Arteta will see out this season? And will Arsenal finish top six? No chance of Arsenal finishing top six, looking at it right now. Very difficult to evaluate with Arteta. When he first came in, I think we rightly gave him a lot of credit because he, he made a bit of an immediate impact. He steadied things. It looked as though he was getting that squad playing in the way that he wanted them to play. Aubameyang signed a new contract. I think they started the new season with a lot of optimism. But Arvin's absolutely right. You look at the facts. They've won four games all season. I think they've only scored 10 goals. Yeah. That's less than a goal a game. Harry Kane has assisted more no, goals this season than Arsenal has scored. Son has got the same amount of goals. Son has exactly. got 10 goals. Son has got 10. <laughs> it's just a shocking statistic for a club like Arsenal. And you raised the point about Ozil earlier. And I actually think that not only is he missed hugely as a player on the pitch right now, but when that whole incident came to the fore a few weeks ago, a month ago, whenever it was, and I remember Arteta giving the press conference when he was explaining the decision. And I said at the time that, I don't believe that it was Arteta's decision. He looked like he was defending mm-hmm. something that had been a decision that had been made maybe upstairs or, or elsewhere. And it seemed to me from that point on, there's just been something wrong behind the scenes. And everybody has just, whether the confidence has gone away, whether people are unhappy, who knows what's happening, you know, on the training ground or, or whatever issues there might be. And Arsenal also didn't have a great lockdown. You know, there was a lot of um, things about other staff at the club and whether they should be retained and, Ozil was actually the one who was offering some of his admittedly substantial wages to try Even and... Even paid for Gunnosaurus Rex. Exactly, which is, <laughs> which is we can all be grateful for. But, you know, there's just, there's just something about the club that goes deeper than Arteta, the manager, and whether he's coaching those players rightly. So, you know, the, the league t- at, by this stage of the season, you know, 10, 11 games in, the league table doesn't lie. And yeah. Arsenal are in four, 14th place. They might go a place lower right now, so... Something big has to happen at that club, but I, I don't think there's going to be a rush to get rid of Arteta just yet. But th- this is a rebuilding, and it's going to take some time at Arsenal. Uh, I, I think th- I couldn't help but compare to the Invincibles when they were <clears throat> playing this match. And one of the thing with uh, the great Arsenal team of the past was it had several, uh, well, you know, leaders, hard men in there who were really implacable and unshakable in their desire to win at all costs. And you've got this insipid... They don't have really great goal scorers. They should have bought Jamie Vardy back in the day. But who but knew Obama Young was going to go this flat? I mean, they got him to sign the thing, and since then, he's been rubbish. They're all flat, and you compare it to the cynicism of Spurs and that winning desire. It's, it, I think that's the issue. It's almost mental as opposed to skill, because they had their moments in that match. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were much better in the second half, but still. Yeah, all right, let's leave off the North London derby. Big win for Spurs. Arsenal languishing in the bottom half. Um, if Spurs are our title contenders, we've got to say Chelsea are as well. 3-1 win over Leeds United on Saturday. Um, Bamford opened the scoring. Good for my fantasy league team. Uh, but after that, uh, they, they took control, didn't they, Arvin? 
They did. Uh, I've watched all Leeds games this season. And honestly, for me, Chelsea has been the most impressive opposition that yeah. we've had. I honestly feel that they are really moving into championship material right now. And, and the scary part is, Ross, is that the goal scorers on the day were all their usual dependables that they've had. It wasn't any of the ones that, that they've spent so much of money on for this last window at least. Giroud has, Giroud has scored 13 goals in his last 13 steps. Five in goal, his last goal. two. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's absolutely madness. Uh, and then Kurt Zuma is really blossoming into that centre-back partnership. Um, I, I, was this close, I was this close to buying Kurt Zuma for my fantasy football this week. Yeah, but, I've got chill you know well, I mean? so that's that, that. Yeah, but but and then when when Hakim Ziyech gets injured, you bring in Pulisic on the bench. Yeah, yeah. So for me, they 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 really showed championship metal on that day. Leeds, for what it is, it will be what that season is. They'll win some, they'll lose some. Uh, Bielsa's come out and said, admittedly, they didn't press Chelsea as much as they pressed the other teams. Uh, so that was an area of of of, of lackingness on the day itself. But the better team won and. Fair play to Chelsea. They're, they're going to go great guns moving forward. Jolan Lepetegui, the Sevilla coach, uh, who's actually played a lot of top English teams recently, including Chelsea. Chelsea whooped them yeah. f- uh, in midweek. Uh, yeah, he, he came out and he said, listen, Chelsea have the best attacking uh, side uh, forwards in the world, in world football. And, and that's saying something. Um, how good are this side, Craig? Are they contenders? I mean, now surely we, we look at these sides leading. They really are the, the real deal, aren't they? Yeah, they are the real deal. I think Jurgen Klopp came out and said that for him, Chelsea are looking like the favourites right now. And I, I don't think that was just mind games. I think that's a very honest assessment of where Chelsea are, the, the start that they've made to the season. And as Arvin said before, the the depth of that squad. And I just think that this season, that squad depth is going to be tested so far because of the, the number of games, well, the, or at least the, how, how thick and fast games are going to come. We've seen that over the last few weeks. Chelsea have come through that period really, really well because they can chop and change. And you mentioned you know, a guy like Giroud, what a phenomenal player to have in your squad because not only is he still a world-class centre-forward, in my view, still scoring goals at that level, and just a great player to have about the place because he will... His experience, he will teach so much to younger players, the likes of Tammy Abraham. And also, he seems to be willing to play that role whereby if he starts on the bench, he's not in a huff about it. Mm. He's absolutely prepared. He's absolutely prepared to be a squad player. Mm. He knows that there's going to be times where he comes into the side and he gets a bit of a run of three or four games. And he knows there's going to be spells where he'll sit out just because of the amount of attacking talent that Chelsea have and especially the, the signings that they made in the summer. And he doesn't seem to be, you know, unhappy or disgruntled about that at all. He's just a, a consummate professional. He's going to come in and do his job when called upon. And, and what a job he's doing right now. And Chelsea, I think that the encouraging for Chelsea is that they just look good all over the park. You know, they've got so much threat. Well, we, you, you, look at the, you look at the chance that Werner missed. You know, it could have, could have been four yeah. or five. How did um, Werner not mid- score in that game? Really? Seriously? Ex- um, ex- exactly. You know, yeah. that, that midfield has so much talent. And now they've tightened up at the back as well. So, yeah. incredible. Real deal for you, Cam? The Blues? Well, I, I, I was really critical of uh, Lampard's Chelsea, especially last season, because, you know, they, they could score a lot of goals, but they let in a lot of goals. And you know, there's always that kind of, oh, we must go back to the basics in order to seal things up. And you start with working on your defence. But maybe Lampard has found a way that going back to the basics is to work on defence from the front backwards. Uh, Sim- because- similar 
similar to, to Arteta and Arsenal here, we, we, we're looking at two managers who came in and both decided they needed to shore up the defence first and foremost. And Lampard's done it, but in, in style. No, but, but, but he's done it by working from the front, from his attackers, then going backwards. So it's an integrate. Now it's looking a bit more integrated. And of course, fresh-faced newcomer Olivier Giroud is uh, <laughs> is an uh, incredible uh, new addition to the squad. <laughs> He's going to be good, I reckon. He could I be. think so, yeah. yeah. All right, brilliant stuff. We're going to go for our first break. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about the Comeback Kings <laughs> next. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Thanks for sticking with us. Cam Razlan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu on this Monday evening looking back at match week 11 of the uh, brand new season. Well, it's not brand new anymore. 11 games gone. Uh, West Ham won, Man United 3. Uh, if you're a Man United fan or you follow Man United, you, you know that it takes... Normally a goal or two before they actually start playing. It's really annoying. Uh, it's not good for the heart. But um, I don't know. I, I keep getting asked this question. Um, and I'm going to ask you, Arvin. Is Ole the right man? Two years into the job now. It, should he? Is he? It's such a tricky question. I mean, really, it's, 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 it's such a 50-50 question. Because on one hand, you saw the first half where they were absolutely terrorized by West Ham. And then the second half, they come and they do that. The goals that they scored in that second half, I've not, I can't remember the last time I've seen three as beautiful goals one after the other. And I'm going to call Son Heung-min Sonaldo from now on. Sonaldo for me was <laughs> goal of the week. But, but the goal from Pogba, I mean, that's just yeah. a reminder of the quality he has. That's such a good goal, the way he curled it and the way it came to him. And, and with Ole, I mean, he really needed... Um, he really needed support from the branch. Bringing in Bruno and Rashford was a huge thing that he needed. I mean, you just look at Bruno, and I've waxed lyrical about him for weeks right now. Assist the Pogba. He pre-assists Greenwood, and he pre-assists Rashford. He, he created eight chances in 45 minutes. In 45 minutes. I think, I, I, I think, I think Bruno is probably going to be more effective than the upcoming COVID vaccine. That's how effective <laughs> of a player he is. No, I'm serious. Bruno Fernandes... Bruno Pfizer-Fernandes... Bruno Fires of Fernandez. I mean, just different levels. So, but United, uh, games like this against West Ham, you can afford to do it. When you come up against top opposition, well, you, this cannot is it. Afford, yeah. you cannot afford to have that first half that you did. So with me, with Ole, he will get through these games to answer your question. But at the big clubs, the big opposition, the Champions League, the, the top six teams, he'll be found out. So well, that's just my opinion. Absolutely. Big, big week coming up for United with Leipzig and the Manchester derby. So, we will speak again on Monday, but Craig Wilkie, VAR here, yeah? We, 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 we speak all season about VAR and, and how many cameras they've got trained on that pitch. But amazingly, they haven't got one running down the line. <laughs> we, we found that out this weekend. They haven't yeah. got a camera that can tell you whether the ball has arced out or not. So based on that, the, the referee had to, be, uh, you know, side with his linesman who... Let's face it, it was looking up, so I guess uh, it didn't go out, as Moyes pointed out. Yeah, well, quite an extraordinary situation in every respect. Is it first of all that we've had one break and we haven't spoken about VAR yet? I suppose there's a, <laughs> maybe maybe something of a blessing in that. But 
the incident itself was actually quite extraordinary. And you think about, as Des will always say, you know, the promise that was made by VAR was to clear up any obvious clear and obvious that were errors. Made. Yeah. And this was a very obvious mistake that was made in that game of the weekend. And what what made it really incredible to me was that watching it live in real time, I could see very clearly that that ball went out of play. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't one of those marginal decisions where you know you're having to draw the line and see if it's just a little bit over. It was. It went quite far out before it it bent back in. And David Moy said, you know. It went over my head, so <laughs> he could tell that he could tell they'd gone out, gone out of play. Apparently, the linesman said something like, "Well, you know, he was already looking to try and see if there was yeah. any offside or or something like that." But that that's a job that VAR, well, arguably is can do or is is supposed to do. So it was a huge stroke of luck for Manchester United at that point. Fantastic though Pogba's finish subsequently was, and you can understand Moyes being quite annoyed at that point in the game because. His side had had such a good first half. Even the start of the second half, they came out and they were looking quite good. You know, Bowen had a chance on yeah. about 50 minutes, Bowen something like that. Where he, yeah, in, yeah. where he split in the far post. And, you know, if that had gone in 2-0, that's a, that's a much longer way back for Manchester United than, than it was at, at that stage. But, of course, once once that goal went in and with Fernandes on the field, as, as Arvin has rightly waxed lyrical about, Manchester United really took over and started dominating quite quickly. But give some credit to West Ham because, you know, for a side that were in a little bit of disarray not that long ago or in the early part of the season, they've really got it together and are looking like a much more solid, much more organised side. And they're going to cause a few teams problems this season, especially at home, I feel. Yeah, it's going to be weird it, it, when all the fans are allowed back in the stadium. Who are they going to boo if they can't boo their own David Moyes anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really weird. Cam, West Ham are seventh at the moment. They've played the entire top eight except Chelsea and they're seventh. And they're managed by yeah, David well, Moyes. <laughs> no, come on, don't don't say and they're managed by David Moyes. <laughs> he's he's actually had a uh, well, he's had a pretty good career, I think. Uh, we have to go back to to Everton to say that you know he's good, a defensive-minded person. But I, I would say with United beating West Ham is a good sign for United because they have been. I think contrary to what what Arvin was saying, they have been very good against better teams the top teams they've got a good record against them whereas they've had trouble breaking down uh teams lower down but they gave west ham gave them space i think actually this this united team is set up for a champions league and a cup run and they they gave up on the league right from the word go because the first thing that Klopp did was win champions league and then league and and I think that they're they're not really trying to they're just trying to get the uh, Champions League spot, but they're not they're not trying to compete. Yeah, uh, one thing about Ole's Man United is they're consistently inconsistent. Let's well, leave well, it I, at that. I, I, you know, I say not. They're consistently trying to go for Champions League. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, let, let's move on to the other Manchester club, Man Man City two, Fulham nil. Uh, Raheem Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne again. We, we're starting to, I think. Now, Kevin De Bruyne is actually starting his season. He was absolutely awesome. He totally ran this match for Man City. Uh, 2-0 flatters Fulham, doesn't it, Craig Wilkie? Yeah, well, for me, it's all about Kevin De Bruyne. For quite a while, I believe he's been the best player in the Premier League. On, On current form, he's arguably the best player in the world. I mean, really, if you look at what he's doing right now for for club and country... Is there a better all-round player on form 
than, than De Bruyne right now. I mean, if you were kind of choosing a world 11, he might be the first name that you would, you would put on the team sheet. And he just has a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I, there was one incident in the game where he was, he was back in the left back position and he kind of yeah. took this ball out of the air and then just played a pass down the line. And just everything he does, he makes it look so effortless and smooth and, and easy. And what, what a wonderful player to have playing alongside you in that team because he's not only does he have all that talent, but he's so unselfish as well. Whenever he gets into position in and around the box, he's always looking for the best option, whether that's him shooting or whether it's just, you know, playing a pass off to, to one of his teammates. I think City, you know, City had a bit of a slow, quiet start to the season, but they're just starting to come good yeah. a little bit now. Um, I mean, we can still look at that squad and pinpoint a few areas of, you know, I think centre back is still an area of concern. We've spoken before about are they still a little bit lightweight up front in the absence of Aguero? But those two areas aside, that's still a really, really good team that they can put out. And as you say, it was a bit of a surprise maybe that when they went ahead so early, you're kind of expecting that to be a, a five or a six nil sort of a game. But I don't think Pep will care that, that much. It's Right now for him, it's just about points. Clean sheet is a good thing and carry on. And, and City are slowly, quietly moving up the league. It was Pep Guardiola's 700th game as a manager. He's won 29 major trophies in 11 seasons managing, including two Premier League titles with Man City. He, it seems like the hunger's still there. This is the most unpep-like managerial stint of Pep's career, Arvin, because he's actually signed an extension. He looks like he wants to win another title. Uh, I, you get the feeling, though, that the main one is still the Champions League for him. It is, but it's a bit uncharted territory, like you said, because he's never been at a club as long as this with City. So he obviously likes the project and he enjoys his time there. But this was, I was looking at some stats. This was his 700th game as a club manager. He's got a 72% win percentage. That's just, I mean, for whatever you say, the amount of money he's had with Bayern and, 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 and Barcelona and now in City, you still have to win. And he, he just wins on, on, on the time. But for me, they're getting into their groove. They were still a little bit wasteful, I felt, against, against, uh, against Fulham. They obviously battered Bernie the week before. They were still a little bit wasteful against Fulham. But it's still it's starting to come together now. When Sterling plays well, City generally yeah. win. And KDB, like we talked about, best attacking midfielder in the world right now. And and Diaz at the back is slowly making that defense about him. And Cancelo, I thought, had one of his best games as well. So it's good things for City because this run of games against teams that he typically batters is there. And they've already qualified for the next round of the Champions League. So it's a good time for City right now to just continuously build momentum. Poor old Fulham, uh, at least they're not bottom. <laughs> Sorry, Cam. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Sheffield United are going to be hard to beat there. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, one thing that struck me watch, watching this match was uh, it suddenly, it really struck me. It's like Manchester City bores the pants off me. Um, oh, I, 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 they, suddenly, they suddenly, well, yeah, no. I'm wondering no, no. about Pep Guardiola's impact now, actually, because... You're saying things are getting better, they're getting through. Because when you assemble such a, a, a group of such good players, it's, it's going to surely get good. And I'm just wondering about Pep Guardiola's actual impact on the shape of the game. Uh, I, I, get what you, I, I get what you're saying, uh, Cam, because he used to get that, that, uh, that comments given to him during Barcelona days as well. When you get too much tiki-taka involved, at times it can get to you a little bit as you're watching the game. But I just feel he's got that renewed motivation. He could have left if he wanted to, but he signed because he believes he can mold them and get them to another title charge. And like Ross said, a Champions League is what they, they want and they badly need. 
So I think Pep is hungry for success and he's going to drive them forward probably harder than he's ever done before. All right. Uh, unlucky Fulham. That's all we're going to say about Fulham. Um, we're going for another break. You stay tuned. Uh, we'll talk about the champions next. Where's the try? And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. Back with Cam Roslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu on this Monday evening, looking back at Match Week 11. As usual, you can tweet at BFM Radio. You can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, we also have a YouTube channel up. It is TFIF on video. Do check it out, please. Uh, Liverpool 4. Wolves nil was played in front of fans at Anfield. Um, as a footballer, I guess one of the things, once you've won the title, one of the things you must most look forward to is playing a home game because the entire stadium is going to go champions, champions, champions. And Liverpool, unbelievably, haven't had that until last night when 2,000 fans actually sang You'll Never Walk Alone, uh, called them champions, said, Be, bring on the champions, and, and Klopp and the team responded with a 4-0 win, Craig Wilkie. Yeah, a long time in waiting to really fully celebrate that victory and such a long time for that championship to come, of course. Um, only positives from Liverpool. Uh, last night I felt it was you know Liverpool have been through quite a sticky time with the injury list that they've had um, a, a lot of kind of controversy around some games and that squad has really been tested but to get a 4-0 win against Wolves who as we know have had a pretty good season themselves and so not, an e- not an easy game at all I thought Salah was looking sharper than he has done for a number of weeks huge bonus to have Trent Alexander-Arnold coming back into the side Wijnaldum I mean what, a, what an unsung hero he's, he's been in many respects in, in that Liverpool squad. He's always there to do a job when you need him. That was the case in the Wolves game as well. And so to get a 4-0 win, to get a clean sheet, to go back to joint top of the league after the period that Liverpool have just been through, Klopp is going to be absolutely delighted with that. And he's now got an opportunity whereby Liverpool have already qualified from their Champions League group yeah. so he can afford to rest some players in, in midweek. And really kind of just get that squad going again for this next period of the season. And hopefully a few other players coming back from injury. Thiago is one who's you know, been really missed for, for a month or, or six weeks or so now. So it's, it's looking good for Liverpool to have weathered that storm a little bit of what they've just been through. And now some players coming back. Um, bit of a warning potentially to other sides as well. Yeah, I, I, apart from 4-0, best news for Liverpool, I guess, Cam, would have been no injuries from that game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, they, they, they're good. And now they're level on points with Jose's Tottenham. Can you see it? Jose and Jürgen, head-to-head. <laughs> what, what I uh, enjoyed about this, you know, sometimes a, a, a four-goal thrashing can be quite dull, actually. But the, uh, the, the way that they played, Liverpool played, was really quite beautiful. And uh, Mohamed Salah coming back on form, uh, Sadio Mane, I thought was spectacular. But also a shout out to the uh, embarrassment of riches for England strikers. Um, it, it's, it's, it was kind of weird seeing s- s- several really good uh, English performances uh, this uh, this weekend and Trent Alexander, I thought was was very good. And no, it was defender. it was a <laughs> it, well, well, okay, sorry, but it was a really uh, it was a beautiful display and it was actually very moving 
to hear the crowd. I'd forgotten about crowds. And Craig has just reminded me, yes, at the end of last season when they won, there were no crowds then either. So mm. This is the first crowd since... I can't remember when. Yeah. It was very moving to hear that. Klopp actually said goosebumps when they were warming up and actually hearing people. I, and then you go, oh my goodness, it's the first time they've actually heard it since they won the title. But all right, a, a word about Wolves. This is the future of, well, the immediate future of Wolves, Arvin, that, that we're seeing right now because with no Raul Jimenez up front, thanks to a fractured skull, hopefully he gets well soon, um, this is the kind of wolves you're going to get from Nuno Espirito Santo's side. Yeah, because they don't have that focal point. Raul gives them so much more when they've got runners like, uh, like Pedro Neto and, and Daniel Podence and Adama Troy. You still need someone up there to kind of hold up play to be able to, 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 to distribute the, 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 the drop-off balls as well. Without him, they really lack a focal point. And when you lack a focal point against the likes of Fabino and Matip, who I thought Fabino was just excellent at the back for, for Liverpool again. He's probably a first-choice centre-back for most of the teams out there in the Premier League if they're given a chance. They will struggle. Uh, Nuno has come out and said um, lack of positives, nothing, they didn't perform, there was nothing they could take out of that game. But they will be fine. Uh, will they replicate their, their top seven finish year on year? That remains to be seen. But the, the funny bit for me was watching this game was that Conor Cody has been spotless the entire Premier League season. Until... Completely. Fault, faultless. He's a Liverpool boy and he goes and he, he plays uh, at Anfield and the first goal that they allow happen, he kind of chesses it back and Salah's like, oh, thank you very much. This is where I'm going to score. <laughs> just, some of these things just somehow, you tend to wonder like, why is this happening? He's been completely spotless the entire season. And Where's Kishnan when you need him, eh? eh? The <laughs> exactly, Conor Cody exactly. song and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. But yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Liverpool, very impressive. Um, it's gonna, they're going to take some, some stopping this season. All right, let's clear up some of the other results then. Sheffield United, one. Uh, Leicester City, two. Jamie Vardy should be charged for a new corner flag by Sheffield United because he <laughs> so clearly just went for it. <laughs> it was it was two red cards. He just went for that poor corner flag, Cam. Poor corner flag. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Jamie Vardy. And <laughs> I, actually, is that a, an offence? I have seen, I think, people being uh, done for that. Yeah. Is it? So, 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 so he got it yellow. And the funny bit is I've read so many comments online where fans are saying that Jamie Wadi has done this because he's seen the LBGTQ um, uh, banner and he's kicked it off. That's not true. The boy is a lifelong... <laughs> he's a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Yes, Nothing yes. makes him more happier than scoring yeah. against Sheffield United. But yeah, I mean, that kind of thing, I think, can warrants probably a yellow card. No one gets sent off for it, but it was just... Such in a moment for Jamie Vardy. It, Quiet for 60 minutes and then bang, exactly. just gets it through. Exactly. Yeah. All through the game, the commentator, the co-commentator was just saying, he only take, he only needs one, 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 <laughs> one minute. He'll come to life and you see him put... And, okay, we, we, we talk about how good uh, Vardy is, but it was cruel on Sheffield United, Craig Wilkie. And I know we're only 11 games in, but you can see it's, it's kind of cemented their spot in the championship already. Yeah, well, it's it's not a fully done deal yet. I mean, there's there's a few other sides down there who don't look particularly brilliant either. I, I've got a bit of sympathy for Chris Wilder, I have to be honest, because the situation that they're in, I don't think their performances have fully merited it. They, they haven't been awful this season. They haven't been great, but they haven't been awful. No side's been hammering them, really turning them over. You know, they, they've still got some good players in that squad as well. This was probably their best performance for a while, this defeat. 
I mean, Ollie McBurney yeah, scored, for goodness well, sake. There, there we go. <laughs> at, 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 last, at last, Ollie McBurney has one more goal than me this season. Still, still, still level internationals. Uh, My money's still McBurney. on you, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he's been, he's been a much maligned character, but I think you've got to give him and some of his teammates credit because they've never really put their, got their head down. You know, they've kind of kept, kept plugging away. They've kept striving. It was quite a good goal that he got in the end. But the, the difference for me at the end was we talk about Vardy, and that, that's the difference in quality. That yeah. chance that Vardy had, yeah. you know that eight or nine times out of ten, he's going to score. Everybody he knew he was going to score, if, yeah. If that, if that was McBurney or if that was Ollie Burke in a similar situation, it's maybe a 50-50 chance. And, and that's, that's, that's what makes a difference at that, at that level. So when it comes, you know, it's one all, you're trying to figure out which way the game is going to go. You know, if it breaks to Vardy, then you've got a real chance. And, and to be fair to Leicester, they, they did dominate the game. They, they hit the post a couple of times. Yeah. They, they, de- they deserved the win. Uh, but Sheffield United, they, they just need something to happen for them and they need it quickly. And it's Wait, not... Yeah, it's just sorry, a quick question. That little mini league at the bottom against mm. the other sides. Mm. Could, could I just mention one thing about Jamie Vardy? Uh, I, a quick story. I met a man, who, a taxi driver in England, <clears throat> who used to play against Jamie Vardy in the lower leagues. Mm-hmm. And he said that the thing about Jamie Vardy that, uh, that you have to bear in mind is that he uh, realized that he would only ever get one chance in a game. So he worked by himself, worked and worked at work at his finishing so, you know, one of the, the aspects of Vardy that is so always so surprising, we kind of almost take for granted now, is that, yes, he, eight, out, eight out of ten times, he will score these astonishing goals. I think which would be really, if, we, if it was anybody else, we'd say that's astonishing. We're getting a bit used to it because he worked at that. That's the mark of a good striker, in a nutshell, in a nutshell. All right, final break. We'll wrap up the scores and tell you about midweek right after this. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty, and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back looking at the other games uh, of the weekend. Burnley won, Everton one points dropped for Everton there. Uh, hard, hard-earned point for Burnley. You got to say, Arvin. Yeah, it is. Uh, but both, both both teams. I mean, they need to address the slide that's happened. Everton lost last week, and then they they this week they, they could only get a draw. Uh, but I felt that this game was really a tale of two goalkeepers trying to showcase themselves to be who is England's number one. Jordan Pickford uh, did well, but in front again, of uh, Gareth Southgate as well. Again, try to guess. Okay, but again, he's been beaten from outside the box, and this has happened number of times. Of course, Robbie Brady's goal was very good, but when you keep getting beaten outside the box, you tend to wonder what's happening. I thought Nick Pope did better on the day. Uh, super reaction from Dominic yeah. Calvert Lewin early on. He tipped a James Curler, the late Sigurdsson chance as well. But yeah, both both squads would have wanted more than this. Both would have wanted a win. Uh, especially Burnley, who need it right now at the bottom, but Everton as well. They just kind of need to address that slight. That early season, early season buzz has kind of lost its way a little bit. Uh, Alan made a mistake. Hamas tries his best to create as many chances. Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin still scoring. That's good for them. But both of them really need to start getting some wins on the board again. Ancelotti showing his stubbornness with this three-four-three formation. Um, all right, let, let's talk about free-scoring Crystal Palace for a bit. <laughs> Craig Wilkie, yes, I said free-scoring Crystal Palace. Um, he was missing for two games. Uh, Wilfred Zaha just shows 
how Mr. Crystal Palace he is because he came back and bossed this game. And without Zaha, you have to think, oh my goodness, where's Hodgson's Palace going to be? Yeah, what sort of a weekend was this? Ollie McBurney scores, free scoring Crystal Palace. <laughs> uh, yeah. By numbers, uh, by numbers. Absolutely unbelievable. It, it was a very impressive Palace performance. Of course, the, it, it was helped a lot by the sending off in the first half. And that was a, a long time that West Brom had to play with 10 men. And they, they haven't been the most solid of sides. This was season. it a red card? Anyway, uh, I, I honestly felt it was a little bit harsh. Yeah. You, you can understand why the referee's given it, especially when you see it slowed down and all of that. It was, I, I didn't feel like there was a lot of malice or intent in it really you know if he, if he was really going to follow through then I think he could have done it with a lot more more power behind it than, than what happened but it's one of those incidents that, that could go either way but as you were mentioning Zaha and probably what was more encouraging for Palace is just the the players around him you know Ben Teke who hasn't lived up to some of the hype of earlier in his career looked really sharp and Eze who's come in and I think really given them an uh, extra attacking dimension you know he created a lot um, and every time Palace went forward, there was about a 20-minute spell where every time they got in around the box, you felt as though they were going to score. And in the end, they, they got some, some very good goals. And yeah, it was, a, it was a very fine win, 5-1. But troubling times for West Brom. I mean, they're really going to have to tighten up. At yeah, the back they, they are one of those teams that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Cam, Crystal Palace are the quintessential mid-table team. They're never going to break into the top six. And, and to, to Roy Hodgson's credit, they don't look like relegation fodder. Season in, season out, you, you look at them and, and you know they'll get enough points. And it's teams like this. Do you think they have a place in the Premier League? Well, yeah, you know, uh, I actually did uh, live in Croydon uh, for some time. They were kind Croydon, of my local as well. Yeah, it is the most uh, mediocre, grey, boring place on earth. Concrete. <laughs> I think mid-table mediocrity very suits the Croydon crowd quite well. They, they, they would get frightened if it was if it was otherwise. But but I think that the fans also the Croydon tourism board here is <laughs> no, but but that that whole SC twenty three area, even the residential areas, is very grey. It's very grey. So I think you know having excitement and, and what will Zaha do this time? Uh, he's very good. And Christian Benteke. Two goals. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I ever saw him score a goal. Um, so, you know, good for them. And But again, West Brom, though, there's always one team that I forget is actually in the Premier League. And, and so uh, West Brom is this season's, I didn't know they were even there, team for me. Harsh on the baggies and, and Slavin <laughs> Bilic, Arvin. Very harsh. Um, but um, Slavin has to sort it out right now. There, there's actually quite a bit of West Ham fans that are quite split down the middle of what he feels whether he's right for this job. Sam Allardyce must probably be licking his lips at the point. Well, he was on telly saying he's ready, right? <laughs> exactly. He said he's ready. And the one bit that, and I agree with, with, with Craig on this, I felt that the sending off was very harsh because it was very instinctive of what Matthias Pereira did. But the funny bit was Slavon Bilic came out and he didn't complain about it. He just said, yep, it's, it's, it happens. It was deserving. When you're down at the bottom and you're fighting and you want to say every call is against you, I need more calls against me. Play a bit of the psychological game. He seems a bit defeated now, Slavin Village. So we just need to keep a lookout for that if that's going to be our first managerial sack of the season, which is never a good thing. But yeah. just something something interesting to look out for when it comes to Slavin. Who have we got in favourites in, in the hat for, for, for first sacking of the season then? So so we've got Slavin Village at West Brom. We've got Chris Wilder at Sheffield United. 
I'm going to put Arteta there as as the the, sh- the longest priced yeah, okay. favorite, <laughs> and probably Scott pa- and probably Scott Parker. I think Scott Sean Dyche has got a bit of yeah. Sean, Sean Dyche has got enough credit at Burnley to kind of last it because of how he's done it season on season. But probably one of the four. Yeah, but counter to this is there is not a great list of uh, potential takeover managers. Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce. That, that's Sam Allardyce. Just, just big Sam. He's got the choice of three clubs. Which clubs yeah. are you lucky enough, Cam? <laughs> yeah, but but there are no. I mean, like you, Arsenal, you replace with who? I mean, that's a but, top team, Arsenal. I mean, Poch- there are, Pochettino, that will be a bold one to get. Yeah, wow, be really bold. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Well, I think yeah. Pochettino's holding out for the project. There, club. there's uh, Allegri, there's Nagelsmann. Uh, all these yeah. are the spoken of managers with with kind of a, a plan, if you like. All right, let, let's uh, have a quick look at the midweek action and uh, final round of Champions League games. Most of the English clubs are through already. Man United aren't yet. They need a point at RB Leipzig. It's a Wednesday 4 a.m. game. Craig Wilkie, will they get that point? Will so? It's a big week for United. We mentioned Leipzig and then the Manchester derby. For you, will Ole survive this week intact? I think he'll survive the week intact. Whether Manchester United will still be in the Champions League at the end of it is a is a different question. I. I, that is a really tough game. and I, I felt when the, the draw was made that you know, there was a lot of talk around the, the fact that Barcelona were going to play Juve and people were looking at that group. But this Manchester United group always looked to me like the toughest of those, those qualifying groups. And the way it's panned out, you know, because of the way the results went last week, all those teams, you know, it's come down to that, that last game. I think PSG will do enough in their game. They'll win to, against Istanbul yeah. for sure, yeah. Exactly. So then this just becomes a, it's almost like a one-off playoff, this game. And Leipzig, you know, we know we know what a good side they are. They're doing all right in the Bundesliga again. So this is not a, an easy fixture at all for Manchester United. I think the only good thing is that, as we mentioned, the Champions League form has been pretty impressive by and large. Even, even the PSG game last week, I didn't feel as though Manchester United played particularly badly. And those big games seem to be the ones, you know, when it, there's really the pressure's on where Oli seems to, to thrive a little bit. And overall, that squad is settling down. I'd be, interest, I'd be really interesting to see whether Pogba starts or not, given that you had a good game at the weekend, but he's been a, such an enigmatic figure for such a long time. But if Bruno Fernandes comes on and plays the way he did in that second half, then that might just be enough to, to tip the tie in favour of Manchester United. That's the kindest analogy of Paul Pogba. Uh, I've ever heard. Enigmatic. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I'm, being, I'm being generous today. Yeah, I know. I just wouldn't. I mean, I'm a, I'm a United fan. I wouldn't call him enigmatic. But Cam, do, do you see an upset here? Do you see, do, you talk about United, uh, a cup team. Uh, do you think this is the kind of thing? Uh, well, they're, you know, they've been banana skins. But but uh, forgive me, RB Leipzig need what out of this match? They, they need a win. A, RB need a win. United are okay with the draw. Yep. And, and RB Leipzig is uh, really the up-and-coming European club. They, they, uh, also, they also need quite a big win to get a better head-to-head than Man United because there was a big win at Old Trafford. Right. I, I mean, okay, if I'm going to put money on it, yes, all right, I'd say they'll get the point, but it's going to be scary. And if you, Ross, get up at four in the morning oh. um, to watch this, you, you, might, you might have a bit of uh, fear I might, I might also have a broken TV by 6 a.m. So we, we shall see. <laughs> uh, Chelsea are through in Group E. 
Um, they they play Krasnodar in a dead rubber. They they're ensured top spot. Liverpool are also ensured top spot in Group D. Atalanta and Ajax, interestingly, fight out the second spot. So and they're playing. Uh, Man City have won Group C. Uh, they uh, yeah and Porto through there. Uh, in the Europa League, Arsenal no problems in the Europa. They they're going great. Uh, Craig Wilkie, why can't they transfer this form to the league? Well, I think Europa League group stage is maybe not quite the same level as some of the pitches <laughs> that play, play, play in the Premier League. But it is perhaps a little bit surprising that they haven't been able to transfer some of that form into their, their league games because they have looked impressive on occasion in some of those Europa League games. But we again, we just have to ask what some of those underlying issues potentially are at Arsenal. And I'm sure, I think Arteta is a very honest coach and he, he will be doing a lot of self-reflection right now about you know, the decisions that he's made, even how he's motivating the side, all of, all of that sort of thing. So there's no question that he will be working incredibly hard, I'm sure, day and night to try and turn it around. But you've also just got to look at those players as well and say, are they really giving him 100%? Are they giving him as much as the quality? I mean, I look at the Spurs game and how many Arsenal players would you give pass marks to? I thought Tierney had quite a good game. You know, he created a few chances. Yeah, a few yeah. good balls he was probably the their best player. Yeah. You, you, could, you could go through that side and you would see maybe three or four players really played to something like their potential. And you, you can't afford to carry six, seven players in a, in a derby. So you, you might be able to get away with it in some of, some of these Europa League games, but not against better sides in the Premier League. And that's, you know, you've got to go individually around that dressing room and say, are you really in this? You know, are you going to step up and, and start putting in some performances? And there's a few players need to look at themselves from that point of view. Yeah, uh, Leicester are through in Group G. They need a win to ensure top spot. Uh, Spurs, it's not quite done and uh, dusted yet for Mourinho's Tottenham. They're second on 10 points. They trail Antwerp by two points and they host Antwerp. How important will this be for Jose now Now that Spurs are top of the league and, 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 and if we all reckon their challenges, do you think he'll take his foot off this one a bit more, Arvin? No. Uh, Jose has always been putting focus on cups. His first league, his first win for Chelsea was a league cup. His first win for United was a league cup. The Europa League, he's won it as well. He he always takes this seriously, and he was quite clear in the last game that they they, they were held to a draw. He came out and lambasted basically all the players. He only said the only one that played well was his seemingly favorite player these days, Pierre Emil Hoiberg. So he will not take his 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 foot off the gas and expect the likes of Gareth Bale to come into this one and try yeah. to try to try and try be able to to cement their plays, but. But Spurs at home, after what they've done in the league and after the Nordland derby, they would have enough for them to get across Royal Antwerp. So I, I fully expect him to take this seriously because as much as they are competing at, at, at the top, this still is a cup opportunity and the Spurs fans are longing for a cup. After so years, they, many years, they want some form of silverware. And, so and one thing about Jose Mourinho is he's a serial winner. He does love a trophy of any kind, including exactly. the Community Shield. He counts exactly. those as well, you know. It's the real thing. It's the real thing. All right, so <laughs> in a nutshell, that's your, your midweek uh, Champions League and Europa. There is, of course, a South Coast derby happening tonight, 4 a.m. Tuesday morning, Brighton against Southampton. Uh, that should be quite interesting if you... I'm recording it. But, but yeah, that's it. We're out of time. I'm going to say thanks to the guys. Thank you to Cameron Aslan. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Craig Wilkie. Thank you very much. Have a good week, everyone. And thanks to Arvin Sidhu. Take care, everyone. Rock and roll. Rock and roll indeed. Have a great week. Bye. See you Friday. 
Off the Ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.